is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. This is the second part of the conversation that we had uh, last time. Uh, me and Matt, we were uh, kind of bringing out a few things about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and what they represent and basically their theology uh, that they have presented to the world and that the world is starting to follow. So this is a continuation of last week's or last time's uh, podcast. So enjoy. But here's here's also the irony. And I and I. I speak on behalf of uh, all the people with darker skin that grew up in neighborhoods with people with darker skin. Uh, I would, I would honestly say, and, um, and when I say honestly say, I say this with sincerity and with experience that the issue is that there are, I would say besides sin, if you're talking socially, the biggest problem in the black community is fatherlessness sure that is the one of the biggest issues Mm -hmm. you know besides the fact that they need the gospel and they need their sins you know uh, accounted for definitely the fact that there are a lot less fathers in the black community than any other community i don't care if you're white latino whatever yep uh that is one of the biggest issues Mm -hmm. now the irony is that this black lives matter movement literally says we disrupt the western prescribed nuclear family Mm -hmm. in essence the western prescribed nuclear family is already disrupted yeah and you see where we are yep so i don't understand why if it's irrational it's it's completely irrational because that's what sin is (laughs) yeah and and then what it does is it adds to the fact that they want the whole thing to be the the uh, the black family to be uh, uh, a community risen like the village yeah, to the village be mentality. to be raised yeah and for you to just literally say that it's it's what the Bible says you know the man leading the man being the the, the husband in there it literally is completely opposite and I, I I don't I feel like I've said the, uh, completely opposite like four or five times in this entire podcast because if people just listen and open their eyes and pay attention and compare this to scripture, you'll see it so much that it's completely opposite. It's upside down. That's what Satan does. Right being wrong and wrong being right. That's exactly what they're, they're, they're doing here. Calling evil good and good evil. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) so that was, go ahead. You want, you want to answer that? Go ahead. Yeah. It's, you're exactly right. The reality of fatherlessness is uh absentee fathers and all of that is a disaster and again not that uh um it's any better in other groups including white families but it's it doesn't matter we're not comparing that we're talking about what god says what he's intended it's about the truth Mm -hmm. right it's about scripture and god designed the family to be i mean that's the really it's the first institution he created Mm -hmm. it's for the establishment of society it's for the propagation of society it's for the security of society is a stable family Mm -hmm. and when the family breaks down i mean so uh, i don't know if it'll do it next week or the week after but i'm going to talk about the four institutions that restrain evil that god designed Mm -hmm. right the conscience right Mm -hmm. the family Mm -hmm the government and the church, church right mm-hmm. so the conscience of man is completely overrode right mm-hmm. it just it just just 
snowballed because of man's sin and because of the the world in which we live. It just totally covered. It's silent. It's 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 done. So that restraint has been lifted. Mm-hmm. The next is parents, right? And parents, what is their duty to restrain mm-hmm, evil mm-hmm. that is born into their home and mm-hmm. to teach? That's why they discipline. That's why they instruct. What have I said? You've heard me say it a, a hundred times. You never have to teach a child to do bad. Mm-hmm. It's they come into the world naturally, right, as sinners. Mm-hmm. So you have to, somebody has to teach them how to do good. Whose job is that? The father and the mother, mm-hmm. right? So God establishes that to begin shepherding these these little atoms, these little sinners to come to Christ. That's the father and mother's job. Take that out of the equation. What do you have left? What What is the next institution that God designed? Government. The government. And in particular, what is the boots on the ground government that has to deal with that? Police. The police. Mm-hmm. Now you're dealing with a society that that whose conscience has been seared and shut down, whose family has been disrupted. Now police, who were never, ever designed by God as a government institution to raise people, but now they're put in the place to act as conscience and as parents. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Mm. Now, do what Black Lives Matter wants and take the police out of the equation. Who do you have left? The church. Well, we know where they are, and by and large, they're done. Mm-hmm. So this 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 thing is is disintegrating before our eyes, and uh, and <laughs> that's why we read the book and we know how the end will happen, so we don't get yeah. discouraged. Yo, know, it's funny. Uh, Jeff Durbin, uh, pastor. I don't agree with everything that he is the or his method. I would say he is biblical, but I don't agree with his method sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He said something that I think is really really good. He said uh, trying to change society instead of changing hearts is like rearranging furniture in a burning house yeah and when he said that i said hmm you know we are especially with the defund the police and changing society and you know not like you said in in the sermon earlier not uh, not discounting the fact that we need to vote and we need yeah. to have people that are, you know, going to make the right godly decisions. politicians, godly, godly yeah. police officers, godly governors, godly, you know, godly yeah. as much as we can. Yeah. Right. And not discounting that, that we should do that. But yeah. what we see is a lot of Christian churches yeah. and, you know, with them being the, the, one of those, uh, uh, barriers or restraints of conscience, what we see them doing is literally taking up torches and pitchforks and going to the government and saying we want change we want it now and i'm like well you definitely can get in your pulpit and you definitely can get into your own community and bring that change but it's not coming from you it's coming through the scripture that you show people exactly like that is it's 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 insane that you are looking to other people for exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Literally told to go and make disciples, you you yeah. are asking somebody else to do your job. Listen, history history shows what happens when the church tries to run the state, and that's not good. No, people die. Yeah, innocent people die. Are, we, are you talking about uh, the uh, Crusades, the Crusades and, and the Reformation yeah. and all? I mean, all throughout history, anytime, anytime the church tried to take on the role of God, the God-ordained role of government, which God ordained for government, not mm-hmm. for the church. Anytime, anytime in history that that happened, 
um, it, it, it wasn't good because that's, that's not our role. Mm-hmm. We have jurisdiction in the church, not in the state. Mm-hmm. That's the government's role. But again, go back to the, the analogy I was using earlier. The conscience is shut down. The family is shut down. Once the government shuts down, like it's starting to happen, then the church tries. It tries to go into that role and fulfill that role, which it shouldn't, but it tries anyway. That's what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just like the police trying to fulfill the role of mom and dad is not going to work. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. You can't be both. So the church trying to go in and fulfill that role and and, and bring the laws and adjudicate the cases, it's not going to work. And uh, that's why we preach the word and we work on the hearts of men according to the word of God, by the spirit of God, to the glory of God. And that's, I mean, that's it. That's, that's the call. That's the hope. And that's, that's our mission. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. We need discernment. We, we need biblical discernment. Uh, James chapter three is very clear. We need wisdom mm-hmm. and the worldly wisdom that, that, uh, that we are seeing before us, James says is earthly. It's demonic unreasonable you were talking a minute ago about the illogical irrational nature of this whole system Mm -hmm. and uh, anytime something's driven by by man or 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 what james calls earthly wisdom it's always irrational it lacks reason go back to the white guilt the guilt by whiteness It, it it is it is perplexing to me that no one seems to understand that that is nothing more than reverse injustice it's so, reverse racism. Yes. How can it? How can it be? How can it be that it's? It is, and it is utterly deplorable for me to think that a man who has a different color skin or ethnic origin than mine is somehow inferior. That's mm-hmm. that's deplorable, right? And so we 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 hate that. We call it what it is: evil. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, now it's totally acceptable and openly promoted as sound thinking to say that someone is guilt simply because of the color of their skin. That is the same exact argument with different words. Yeah. There was a pastor, and I'll, I'll say his name because I think you all need to pay attention and watch out for his theology because it was sound at one point, but it's not anymore. Matt Chandler had said uh, to... Uh, he was on a panel and he said that, you know, question and answer. He said that if there were two candidates for a pastoral uh, yeah. position in his church and he would have a white guy who is a nine and a black guy who is a seven, he'd choose the black guy. That is racism. That's exactly what that is. That is injustice, it, to, to put it in a biblical term. Like you're literally picking someone not because of their ability. Yeah. Uh, you're literally picking someone because of the color of their skin. Yeah. And like, because that you is feel same, sorry for them. Because you feel sorry. That's the same exact it's thing. patronizing. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. There was a post that somebody had posted online and, and they literally had gone through all of the major corporations and they're like, well, the, they have 16 board members and they have one black person and they're... Uh, their title is the uh, director of diversity or something like that, some fancy title. And they were going through all these and they're like, well, this corporation, no black people on the executives. This one, no black people. And I said, well, you know what the problem is? Black people must not want to work for those companies. Because <laughs> it's just like saying, well. It's affirmative action, man. Yeah, it's, 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 like, who cares? Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop supporting 
a company that, you know, or stop buying from a company. I wouldn't say support. Stop buying from a company because they don't have any black executives. Like, I, I don't I don't care. Does this company have the the thing that I need? Exactly. They do? Okay. Most of the people, <laughs> even some of the churches that a lot of people give to, have some issues, you know, within that church. But they don't stop giving to that church. Yeah. Do they? I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but you know, if a corporation has a you know an issue where uh, an executive said something, or they don't have enough black representatives in their executives, you literally are being racist because you don't see yourself represent. That's 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 racism or injustice. Yeah, yeah we 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 need wisdom. We need biblical wisdom. That's what's needed here. We need to humble ourselves which is what i've been driving right sorry and man you got me fired up no that's it's okay it's this it's sorry. it's a no no <laughs> it's a difficult sad reality that it uh, breaks our heart because there is injustice and there is discrimination and there is uh, violence and sin happening all around us and it's wrong and we know it's wrong and it takes away from the glory of god and it defames the image of god that's in every man that's what why every human being, every baby, every old person, every black person, every Chinese person, everybody has an uh, inexpressible worth because they bear the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that and we believe that and we stand up for every life. And uh, yet we see these things happening and it it, it breaks our hearts. And, uh, and we know that many are caught in the trap, right? Mm-hmm. And Jude talks about that, save some as as uh, snatching them out of the flames, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that there have been many people who have been ensnared by the devil, as Second Timothy says, uh, ensnared by him to do his work. And what Second Timothy says so clearly, that the man of God must not be quarrelsome. He must not be an agitator. He must not be a striker. Mm-hmm. He must be what? Patient. He must be able to confront. Mm-hmm. That's the part that sadly some people don't get. You can't just be a nice person, meaning you can't just not say anything. Mm-hmm. That's unbiblical. That's not being loving. That's mm-hmm. not being faithful. But yet you do need to be a gracious person. Mm-hmm. So that's that wisdom where we need to share the truth in love. We can't hold back. I think there are times we need to be quiet and just let people, you know, pour out their hearts. Mm -hmm. And then as they share their irrational thinking, which is often what comes out because they're driven by errors and not by truth, then we gently and lovingly, uh, appropriately, we bring the truth and show like, wait a minute, how is white guilt not reverse injustice? Like, how Mm -hmm. how does that happen? And help them see this is what the Bible says. We're all guilty not just white people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is the bedrock of the, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You take that away. You've lost everything. Yeah. So you're not guilty. We're all guilty. The Bible says for all have sinned mm-hmm. and fallen short of the glory of God. And there are no reparations in the gospel. There's only one. It's called Jesus Christ offering his life, mm-hmm. the perfect son of God who paid, right? Who paid our debt that we could never pay. And the only hope we have is to repent of our sins and trust in Christ alone. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we you cannot say that enough. We cannot teach that enough. We cannot show that enough. But I think in the end, the church is going to have to continue to preach the truth in love. And I, I told Amy this week, and I told her last night, and I told her today, even after I preached this morning's sermon, I really wanted to preach at one point. That was my heart. That was like, uh, like I really, there was one point where I said, as we humble ourselves to one another, 
it will look like this. And I gave those four or five points. And the first is, when you humble yourself to one another, you will seek to protect the unity of one another. Mm -hmm. That is so vital in all of this. And I'm afraid it's being missed by many, especially those on the other side, because they're it's it, it's sad to watch how quickly the Christians and I'm using that in air quotes because it's you don't know. Right. But watching so many people, Christians who are throwing their fellow brother under the bus for a man centered system, for worldly wisdom, for the hope of only the hope is only bringing temporal help at mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. that the best you will do in this system that you're 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 dividing over you're you're throwing us out to the wolves over a system that at best is only going to bring temporary help mm-hmm. we don't deny that there needs to be reform we don't deny that there needs to be better law we don't deny that that injustice exists but we're saying this is the gospel this is the church this is what we're commanded strive for the unity of the body of Christ let's not divide over this this is this is not worth it because the gospel is clear and it's like you're watching life after life after life castigate uh, fellow Christians because they will not agree with them on this and that grieves the heart of God and that falls right into the plan of Satan he loves disunity what did I say injustice injustice never destroyed one church not one but disunity did. Yeah. Throughout definitely. the New Testament, mm-hmm. disunity, division mm-hmm. was one of the major issues that 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 haunted the church. And it's haunting us now and if we don't get the gospel right and if we don't stand upon truth. 1 Timothy 3:15 is one of the most important uh, uh verses in the New Testament for the church and that is the identity of the church is what we exist to be the pillar and buttress of the truth. Mm-hmm. That is our job mm-hmm. to hold it up to defend it and declare it. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And in so doing, evangelize the lost. You take that away, we have no reason to exist. Mm-hmm. And if you di- and if you divide, if you become as Galatians uh, five uh, fifteen says, and we de- when we devour and bite one another, we consume one another, chew on one another because of our our division and our hatred. We have absolutely no reason for existence in this world mm. because now we're no different than what's going on outside. Wow. And yeah. the, the gospel is clear. Jesus said, John 13, they will know you by what? By love. Mm-hmm. Love for the truth. Love for the gospel. Love for me. Mm-hmm. That everything else won't matter. You will stick together like glue because you love me. Where is that in this conversation? Right. Well, that that is that is kind of what that that brings up two questions. And the first question is uh, because there is a there's definitely a shame that is being put out there that if you're silent, then you are silence is violence. Yeah. So is this should there be some type of uh, statement or something that we say? Uh, and the second question would be, you know, I would imagine that you could answer both questions at the same time. Should we be out and protesting, you know, going to a peaceful protest with, uh, some folks or, you know, is that something that we should be doing? Yeah. So, um, I'll answer that one first because it was the last one you said, and the answer is really clear. No, no, for multiple reasons. One is, 
um, who am I going to protest with? I'm surely not going to sidle up with anybody from Black Lives Matter because it's so contrary mm-hmm. to Christianity. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, it, it would be like me sidling up with a Roman Catholic. I would never do that. It's mm-hmm. too confusing. It's too contrary to biblical truth, right? I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, yoke myself with somebody I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not united with, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't do that in the name of Christ, in the name of ministry. It's uh, oil and water, right? And the Bible even says that we should not be unequally yoked with those who are who who are not of Christ. You know, it's one thing to work in the world, to live in the world, to shop in the world, but we're not talking about we're talking about ministry, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that would be uh, that would cut across to, uh, that would cut across to everything that I hold dear by way of personal convictions and biblical truth. So we can't do that. We can't, uh, the Bible says, what does light and darkness have together, right? right? I mean, you just can't do it. And it would be confusing to the world, mm-hmm. right? And so the Bible tells us to come out from among them, separate yourselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. The other thing the Bible says, and I'm going to be teaching a lot on this in the fall when I do a whole series and leading up to the to the um, uh, election on the role of government and the place of the church. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, there is nowhere in the Bible, and again, this isn't being said enough, and it needs to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be teaching at a conference in October talking about this, mm-hmm. but the reality is there's nowhere in the Bible where you see anybody protesting, protesting like we see today, right? You don't see anybody in the Bible doing that against the government. Hold on. Okay, I guess the government. You added those. Those. Yeah, uh, yeah, the uh, government. So we're so we're we're going down to city hall. We're protesting. We're wearing our banners. We're banging on the door. I, I, I got yeah. something. I got something so, I want to ask you. But so, go ahead and finish this. So, um, um, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. You you don't you don't see any call for that. Um, very very clearly. As a matter of fact, what you see if you go to the Old Testament, right? So when Daniel when Daniel is taken unjust, he's unjust. He's we're dealing with injustice here. Clearly, discrimination, Jew taken by the Babylonians, taken into captivity, and he's told to what? The whole idea is indoctrination. Make make the Jew a Babylonian, basically, mm-hmm. in culture, right? Defile their culture and make them like us. Now we've got them. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, they give them the food to eat that they weren't supposed to eat and all the, the pleasures and all of that. And what does Daniel say? Does he protest? Does he, does he go nuts? No. You know what he says? Uh, I got a proposition for you. We're, our God says we're not supposed to eat this food. I got I got a proposition. Go back to your leader and say, give us 10 days of not eating this food and let us eat this food and see if we're not more healthy than the other. That doesn't sound like a protest at all mm-hmm. like we're seeing today. That sounds like rational thinking that's submissive and, and uh, thoughtful and respectful, mm-hmm. right? Well, you fast forward to the New Testament. You see the same exact thing over and over again. Jesus never, ever speaks um, uh, a word of protest against Rome, ever. He's not pulling out. He's, he, he even goes before Pilate. The most, the most egregious act of injustice ever done in the world, ever. There will never be an act of injustice that can even compare to this in, a, in, a sl- in the slightest way, and that is murdering, falsely arresting, falsely incriminating, falsely um, insulting, falsely abusing, right? The son, the holy son of God, there is no greater injustice. And did he ever speak out? Matter of fact, when Pilate is trying to release him, he tells him, listen, 
It's because my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. He's like, listen, you have no authority over me, but do your thing. That's why I've come. And and when they bring the the coin, when they bring the talent, mm-hmm. what does he say? The, the disciples what? are the disciples are trying to get out of the taxes. <laughs> the disciples are like, "Hey, come on, Lord! You see, you're going to be king anyway. Can we just go ahead and start cashing in now? Right. We don't need to pay this." Mm-hmm. What does he say? Render what the Caesars what the Caesars. That's it. That's it. So, and what does Paul say? Clearly, in Romans 13, clearly commanded. Clearly, mm-hmm. matter of fact, this is where it gets really, really sad when you talk about defunding the police, and I take that as getting rid of the police. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you start going down that road, Romans 13 is clear. When you fight against the government, you are fighting against God. Yeah. It literally says that. Yep. And so Paul says, what is our job? He says then in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, pray. Pray for our kings. Pray for our, our rulers, our authorities over us. Pray for them. Pray for them that we might live quiet and peaceable lives. You can't live a quiet and peaceable lives and running off doing protests. Mm-hmm. Christians are not to be disruptors. Yeah. We're to be servants. Mm-hmm. And in First Peter, it's very clear. Mm-hmm. You honor the king. You serve the king. So you, you, you don't see that in Scripture. You see it with, you know, you see it with wicked people. There's riots in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. You, you see it with unbelievers, but you don't see it in the early church. You see them just going about their lives being godly. Being submissive. Well, I got to throw this at you. So I posted or I reposted uh, (laughs) Daryl Harrison, and this is what he said. One way to distinguish the biblical gospel from the social gospel, and I read this on the last podcast, uh, is that the social gospel preaches structural transformation that works in society from the outside in, whereas the biblical gospel preaches spiritual transformation from the works in society from the inside out. Yep. One of the comments that I got, and then this was literally a repeat of what I had seen over and over and over again. Parroting. Huh? Parroting. Parroting? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah. Just somebody just bought on somebody else and they're just keep parroting yeah, 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 the same yeah. thing. Uh, I would, it would seem Jesus would be angry and turning over the tables of the money changers <laughs> in the temple would be an exception to this yes. rule. Yes. And yes. I literally saw this over and over and yes. over again, the justification of the rioters because Jesus turned over the temple, the, the tables in the temple. What says ye? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Um, okay. First of all, um, Jesus is the, is the, uh, he is the, the ultimate temple. He is the mm-hmm. ultimate priest. He is the son of God, the eternal second member of the Trinity, the eternal ever living son of God, mm-hmm. right? Um, he is the, uh, uh, Alpha and Omega, the creator, the beginning and the end. He is the sovereign Lord of all the earth. Mm-hmm. He has the right to do whatever he deems best to do mm-hmm. at any time he wants to do it. So there is absolutely, uh, there is absolutely uh, no comparison to what Christ did in that moment mm-hmm. and what's happening now. Everything he did, he did in a totally right, 
just and unsinful way. Mm-hmm. It was because he does everything. He does everything without sin, and mm-hmm. everything he does is good. And so there is no comparison between the two, mm-hmm. right? What's happening now is being done in injustice, mm-hmm. totally sinful, totally selfish, and sinful at every level. So mm-hmm. you, so the, the comparison is, is not even apples to oranges. It's ants to apples, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's totally off. But the other thing that's interesting, now that you bring that up, is did Jesus ever turn over the tables um, in, in the uh, Roman city hall? Did he ever go before Pilate and overturn anything? Did he ever condemn Pilate? Did he ever call out the Roman government? Did he ever, I mean, let, let's just let's just throw the wild card out there. Did he ever seek to overturn slavery? Do you ever hear him? Do you ever hear him condemn that? Did he ever hear him go against the Roman government? Mm-hmm. He was not a revolutionary. What he's going after, what does he say? My father's house. Mm-hmm. This is his property he is the eternal son of god this is his father's house Mm -hmm. and his father's house was to be a house of prayer and it had become a den of robbers that is the very reason he came to earth Mm -hmm. was to demonstrate what true what true faith is all about and what false faith is all about Mm -hmm. and he was demonstrating this system of works righteousness that is driven by injustice selfishness and pride is utterly utterly a stench in the eyes of God and I'm going to prove it to you mm-hmm. and that's why he did what he did and he was right and he was right to do it the other thing that's interesting it goes back to that reality of jurisdiction Christ totally had the right to do that as the very son of God mm-hmm. right now he could have done it to the Roman government had he chosen because he's the king mm-hmm. but he was establishing his his kingship and the reality of who he was spiritually before he'll do it physically, because he will come back and kick out all the governments, yep. and he will do that, mm-hmm. and he's right to do it. But in that moment, what he was establishing was his authority over the hearts of men, but ultimately over the religious system of the day, saying, you guys are wrong. You guys are missing it. It's really all about this, <clears throat> and that's what he was doing, and he had the prerogative and the jurisdiction to do it. Okay, so you you've proven that that has nothing to do with uh, the riots in the streets. But but what about <laughs> this? What about this though? Uh, the fact that there was this uh, the, the, these people that were doing these memes where they were saying that um, you know the reason why we're protesting and marching is because of the fact that you know uh, this you know, George Floyd was uh, represented as the, the one sheep that was led astray. And we are the, and, and Jesus went after the 99, uh, left the 99 to go after the one. So that is kind of like why we're doing this. If he can do that, then why can't we protest in the street over this one lost soul? Well, back to what Jesus did. Jesus was also demonstrating in that act who he was that act itself was demonstrating as he said it was a fulfillment of scripture where he says in uh psalms that what zeal for your house will consume me mm-hmm. right and uh, and so he's demonstrating that he's fulfilling scripture he's he's showing by every step he takes by every action that he does that he is the long-awaited messiah mm-hmm. right and so everything is calculated everything is sovereign and everything is is righteous and uh, so again there's no comparison now the comparison again, is utterly irrational because the two do not equate um, at all. Um, Jesus clearly, right, clearly commands 
that men obey the Father. The Father commands men that they obey the Father. Jesus clearly established throughout his holy word, the word of Christ, what man should do. And man is clearly commanded to follow Christ, right? Mm -hmm. In submitting to the Father. Mm -hmm. And we do that as we submit to the word. And the word says what? Submit to government. Yeah. So whatever man might irrationally come up with in his demented logic, the Bible, again, is crystal clear. And it's what? Obey the authorities over you. Do not, do not. I'm yeah. reading. I'm reading a fascinating book right now. You're gonna, you're gonna love this. Okay, fascinating book. And you're, I was thinking about you the other night, and it's dealing with all of this from a from the revolutionary perspective, from the revolutionary war, and it's a book on pastors on sermons preached during the revolutionary war from the colonial perspective. Sermons used to instigate uh, excitement about the war so that people would enlist and become part oh, of the goodness. colonial. Or it, wow. it is amazing to watch these pastors obliterate Scripture and take it out of context to support revolting and standing up and all of that. It's it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating. That's crazy. Yeah, and as soon as I get that one done, I'm about ready to read another one that's going to give it from the other perspective mm-hmm. where it's going to show uh, loyalists and the passages that they preached basically saying do not revolt against mm-hmm. the government. So I'm excited about that. But anyway, my point is scripture is clear mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's multiple sermons on Romans uh, 13 and 1 Peter 2 because that's the text. I'm like, how do you handle this? I mean, it's very clear, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see their logic and how the pastors used those te- texts to somehow uh, speak to the fact that it was right for them to revolt, and yet the text is really clear. Yeah. The passage is really clear. Well, I, I was mistaken. Let me make sure, because I, I got the meme pulled up, and this is what it says. Jesus in Luke 15, 100 sheep, but one goes missing. Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one. The 99, but what about us? Don't we matter? Of course, the 99 still matter, but they're not the ones in danger. The one is. And it was really because of the fact that there was some issues with people saying black lives matter and then other people saying all lives matter. It did the same thing with the prodigal son that the, the, the dad went out and grabbed that prodigal son and the other brother, the, the, the son, the other son is sitting there with a sign that says all sons matter. Yeah. Like they were all trying to make this whole thing of, well, wait, we get that, you know, you matter. Yeah. But at this point right now, that son mattered and that one sheep mattered. Okay. So, let me let me clear clear this up biblically. First of all, that's a uh, that's an uh, unhelpful parallel at all mm-hmm. in any at every level. It's it's it, it's it's incongruous. It's it doesn't it doesn't mesh up. Here's why. So if we're going to talk about the prodigal son. First of all, the the father in the in the in the parable, the prodigal son, he didn't go out after the son. The son came back, mm-hmm. and here's why: because the son repented. Mm. The son repented of his sins and came back to the father asking for forgiveness, mm. right? That's the issue that isn't happening here. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so none of that has happened. Nobody's come back and repented to the father for the sins they have done. So I don't understand the parallel there, but that's the point of the story. The point of the story is that the son was a, was a, a wanton, reckless, uh, debauched sinner just like every one of us who mm. sowed his wild oats and would not at all 
to uh, humble himself before God until God humbled him. Did you hear that in the sermon mm-hmm. this morning? Mm-hmm. You cannot humble yourself until God humbles you. Wow. He was humbled in the pig trough, and mm-hmm. then he humbled himself before God. Yeah. God in his mercy brought him to the end of himself, and then he opened his eyes, and what did he say? Oh, my father, if I only go back to my father, mm-hmm. I'll have a place. And he did, and he went back with a broken and repentant heart. And what did the father do? The father saw him from afar off and ran to him because he knew he's coming back. He's reached that point, and the father accepted him because he was there repentant. So the parallel doesn't make any sense because nobody's coming back to repentance. Man's going out and creating violence and havoc. So there is, there is that's a that's a parallel that doesn't even doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even know how to re- relate to it. Well, yeah. It, then and I, then the 90 and 9, again, I don't even, uh, maybe I'm not smart enough, but I don't even understand the connection there. The, the um, Yeah, I, I, I don't even follow the logic. Well, the, the, I, I will try to explain it then. The logic would be like the one sheep are the black lives and the other 99 are everybody else. So Jesus... Yeah the shepherd I would say in, in the parable leaves those 99 to go after that one sheep. Yeah. And, yeah, and, no, and I mean, all the sheep are sitting there with all sheep matter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the one sheep is like black lives matter. Yeah. That's, that's obliterating the context and the point of the passage. Jesus yeah. isn't, Jesus isn't making any distinction there. We're all sheep. Yeah. I'm going to mess you up with another quote that I saw. And this is literally, I'm just doing this just to make you angry. No, um, you, you can't make me angry. <laughs> this is what uh, a, a preacher. So there was this, uh, uh, this preacher that wrote a book and the book is dear church, a love letter from a black preacher to the whitest denomination in the U S and the whitest denomination was the evangelical Lutheran. Yeah. And this is what he said in his book. This is horrible. I just, I just want to preface that, and I'll preface, I'll preface it also with another horrible thing. The, the, the rapper, uh, Chance the rapper, he put on his uh, Twitter, Jesus was lynched, and then he explains how the crucifixion and the systemic racism that was then made it so that Jesus was actually lynched. Now, this is what this guy says. This mm-hmm. pastor. Jesus is Trayvon Martin, armed only with the bag of Skittles and an iced tea against an entire world that would rather hang him from a tree than love him. Until we see this, we are lost. I was reading this uh, this article about him, and when I saw that sentence, I stopped. Like, I literally wanted to kind of grasp a little bit of what was going on, on the other side, but for them to... For a chance, the rapper, and then this guy to say those things and literally try to uh, 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 compare the struggle of black people yeah. to Jesus they is just, like, yeah, oh my goodness, you kidding me? Back to what we just said a minute ago, it's a, it's a, it's a totally um, false parallel, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's no comparison. You can't compare, compare the Holy Son of God to anyone, right? And then, and then. Uh, this is part of of liberal theology, mm-hmm. and that's really what's well, the social gospel, where Jesus came for social services, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus came to better everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Jesus came, and this is huge in all all uh, liberal communities, um, especially in Black liberation theology, which is a major issue, and that is that Jesus is is basically an example for us. He's the he's the martyr. He's the first, mm-hmm. and and we're to follow in his footsteps. 
not as the Redeemer, as the Savior, and as the Son of God, but as an example who showed us how to go, right? That is, that is what you see in so many of these things, and that is so not true. That Ironically, is, that sounds eerily close to the new uh, apostolic reformation. Oh, yeah. When abs- they're talking about, like, Jesus set the example of yeah. how we heal and how yeah. we prophesy and all that yeah, stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, he clearly is an example. We don't deny that at all. But he's so much more. Mm-hmm. He's the redeemer. He came to give his life a ransom for mine because there was no other hope. He was it. He gave his life for me, not as an example, but to pull me out of the pit of my own sin. And so, yeah, it's so much of that is driven again back to that place that diminishes Jesus. So think about it. It diminishes Jesus in his deity, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to get Christ right. He is not just a man, and he's not just God. He's the God man, mm-hmm. right? And that gets lost in these conversations. So there's no comparison. And so the reality is he's the perfect son of God, the God man. And yet at the same time, we diminish Jesus while we exalt ourselves. So we bring Jesus down to our level mm-hmm. while we elevate ourselves to his level. Mm-hmm. We're really not that bad, mm-hmm. right? We, 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 we create songs that just say, yeah, he's just like us, and I'm really not that bad. I'm going to be like he's Jesus. He's my homeboy. He's my homie, right? Yeah. And so all we're doing is bringing him down, and we're elevating ourselves, and we've lost the gospel. Mm-hmm. We've lost it because, again, we must be humbled. There's, you know, no one giggles through the, 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 the gates of heaven. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes bowing low because we understand that he is a holy God, and we are sinful people to the core. Well, I have to ask this question though, because you know, I the everything to me is I when when people talk. This is a, a really annoying thing about me being a musician. I listen to a lot of music, so sometimes when people say stuff, a song pops into my head about what is being said, or sometimes I make up my own songs. But the song that just popped into my head as you were saying that is "I'm a Friend of God." Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, and but Phillips, it, Craig, and Dean. But isn't that well? I wasn't thinking about those particular people the singing. Modalist. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Most um, people don't. The uh, but the uh, the person I was thinking of was Israel Houghton, who is a train wreck in in itself. But um, his life and how he has portrayed himself and is is really bad. But uh, that song, the version that he sang, is you know a lot more upbeat and you know all that stuff. But I think of. Uh, scripture and I'm and uh, it's it's slipping me which one it is, but how it's like you are not uh, you are not uh, servants. Yeah, You're, but I call you friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, how would you compare what you just said to that scripture then? Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> so yeah, there's a truth to that in that sense. Um, yeah, we're children of God. We're friends of God in that in that sense of we're drawn near to God, and yet uh, those. And Abraham was called a friend of God, mm-hmm. right? And so we understand we understand those uh, those truths in that sense of how God uh, makes us part of His family and draws us into the into the family of God and gives us uh, sonship, right, in our mm-hmm. adoption and all that that means, which is glorious and awesome. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, so many of those songs are built on this premise that God is my buddy. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, when you read <laughs> when you read scripture, um, yeah, it's just it, it, it's, it's really clear. OK, let me just mm-hmm. be really blunt. Anytime, anytime 
any time anybody ever saw a revelation of God or even the pre-incarnate Christ or the post-ascension Christ, mm-hmm. any time they always fall on their face scared to death mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. So I think the reality is uh, we need to have a humble perspective about who God is and be careful of sidling up um, to him as our as our uh, as our friend if we haven't first been humbled mm-hmm. and so many of those songs and so much of that stuff speaks very whimsically and mm-hmm. flippantly about things that are uh, serious the fear of the Lord protects us from having a a, a man-centered view of God mm-hmm. and uh, no I'm, I'm not gonna do that yeah God is my father and I am his son mm-hmm. and I and I have the utmost love for him and I know he cares for me but he is holy and I am not mm-hmm. And I go into his presence with great, uh, a right sense of fear and trepidation. Because mm-hmm. as he said, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and broken in spirit and trembles at my word. Mm-hmm. Paul says, and if you don't like an Isaiah 66 two Old Testament verse, here's a New Testament verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. For it is God who works in you and through you to do his good will. Mm-hmm. Right? Why does Paul talk about a glorious truth of sovereign grace working out its work, working out its plan of fulfilling ultimately salvation through sanctification in the sense of bringing it all to glorification? All of that's what he's talking about Mm -hmm. there, bringing it to completion. That's a glorious truth. And then he says, work it out in fear and trembling. What Mm -hmm. is he saying? Humble yourself because Mm -hmm. it's God. It's not you. Mm -hmm. It's God who's doing this. Mm -hmm. And And then he says it with fear and trembling Mm. hebrews 12 what is it verse 29 our god is a consuming fire Mm -hmm. let us approach let us approach worship right with a reverence and awe Mm -hmm. for our god is a consuming fire so yeah there is uh there is uh, a great many scriptures that guard our hearts from handling the lord flippantly yeah and i also want to add to that um, and you would agree, I would imagine that they not just make God out to be a friend and a comrade and a pal. Yeah. Um, I can't say the word buddy. Um, <laughs> cause you know, my name, but they also don't recognize specifically his deity. Absolutely. And they didn't, th- and then, and they deny, they deny the need, mm-hmm. the need for trans or uh, for uh, propitiation and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. They're minimizing that, and that's and that, part. That's part of the issue, and that pushes them towards them accepting that deity for themselves. Yeah, they're and they're making on them par, the on par well. with God. Yeah, and it, it turns to like, they, well, I can do this, and I can, yep. you know, I can, I, you know, use an I a lot. So yep. yeah, that's that's pretty sad. I think that um, I've pretty much exhausted my list uh even though this is this has been a really long podcast um i want to i want you to speak towards uh first peter chapter five uh verse four verse five is if that's what we're on today right but i think it's verse four as well oh yeah um uh because one of the points that i want to make sure that you make is that our humbleness should be towards God. And oh yeah, that was one six. of the points that you made mm-hmm. uh, in in the sermon last week, where yeah. uh, we are prone to in, in in a situation like this, 
to not not look to God and be humble. Yeah. But we are focused on trying to be humble towards each other. Yeah. But the first thing we need to be is humble towards God. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the fruit of humility before God is humility to one another, mm-hmm. right? And so the vertical is always paramount and foundational. The vertical relationship, Matthew 20, 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't love my neighbor if I'm not loving God. We're commanded in in First Peter five five to humble ourselves to one another, put on, clothe yourself with humility, and uh, yet in verse six, right, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, or under, really under, which is interesting because it's the mighty hand of God that's in charge of all of the suffering that's happening mm-hmm. in that letter and in that context and all the injustice. That's the mighty hand of God. You humble yourself, trust Him, mm-hmm. just just let Him do His work. Notice He doesn't say protest. He says, humble mm. yourself, right. meaning trust, depend, sit, and wait on the mighty hand of God to deliver you. So, yeah, no, it always begins with a right understanding of God and a right understanding of self, and before I can ever have a right respan- response to my brother. And so uh, that's always the issue, seeing God rightly, seeing self humbly, then I can respond to my brother lovingly, mm. right? And when I get that out of balance— when I um, like, for instance, um, and you know this well, when uh, people uh, might uh, seek to uh, go to another person and ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. well, they need to go to God first, mm-hmm. right? Because because your sin is ultimately against God, and once I've once I've once I've recognized that I've sinned against a holy God and I've asked of His forgiveness, I can then go and make it right with my brothers mm-hmm. whoever i've sinned against and that's good and that's commanded and and that's important but um the minute we try to think that we can rectify or reconcile one another without having reconciliation with god yeah. it is a uh, disaster i would almost i would almost say that it's idolatry well, it's it's putting the person it, before god yeah no? it, it could be very well could be or, or it could be just a again a an utter uh, diminishing of God mm-hmm. and fa- a failing, which is, we all struggle in this. That's why I'm constantly talking about sin because we all minimize it. Yeah. And we minimize sin and, and we minimize God and we maximize self. Mm-hmm. And that's so much of what that is. And that's why the scripture is clear. All sin is ultimately against God. So even if I uh, denigrate you if I if I discriminate against you if I create injustice against you yes I've sinned against you but I've ultimately mm-hmm. sinned against God why because God has commanded me not to do that to right. you God right. has commanded me to love you and, mm-hmm. and so no matter what you think about what I've done to you and that's real at the end of the day I've sinned against the God who's given me life and breath and created you in his image and so the sin is doubly worse than I can even imagine because it's against a holy God. Yeah. So I humble myself before him. And and of course, how do you do that? By remembering who he is right. as creator and holy God and remembering who I am as sinful, selfish man and then remembering who Christ is as the sovereign redeemer. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a believer, man, that humbles you because I don't deserve this. It's a point, again, and, and, and I... I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not. I can't remember, but I'm going to say it again if I did because it bears repeating. You know, it's easy for guys like me to speak and, and to sound insensitive, and I don't want to sound that way. And I, I know people that know me know that's not true, but yet 
we we need to we need to be compassionate and we need to be tender towards those who are, uh, are hurting. And yet at the same time, the truth is the truth, right? And it needs to be said. And when it comes to um, uh, dealing with the the uh, character of God, we are constantly struggling with our own pride and arrogance. And I said um, in the uh, in the sermon today, talking about this reality of humbling ourselves before God. And if we don't do that, then I will never, ever have a right, right understanding of my sin against you. Mm-hmm. So any repentance I bring to you, if I haven't first went to God, it's going to be partial at best. Mm-hmm. It's going to be selfish. It's because my heart is not right, mm-hmm. right? But once I've recognized that I've sinned against God, then I'll go to you no matter what you do to me, mm-hmm. no matter what you say. I had somebody ask me the other day about this, uh, about confessing our sins to one another, and I said, yeah, we're commanded to do it, and we must, but you first have to go to go to the Lord. Yeah. Make it right, because then it doesn't matter what the other person will say. You don't care about protecting. You don't care about not bringing your sin out. Because true confession means I need to say the same thing. It means I need to come clean with you. I need to speak clearly. I need to speak humbly. I need to speak thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet most of the time we don't do that. Why? Because we're protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're pridefully holding it back. Mm-hmm. But once I've gotten right with God, I don't care. Because he's all all that matters. Mm-hmm. So now, when I say I don't care, I mean I don't care if, I, if I'm hurt. I don't care if... if 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 you think less of me because you start to really see me for who I am now when I mm-hmm. repent to you, that's fine because all that matters is I'm right with God and now I want to be right with you. Right. And uh, so that's so so important and so sadly missed and um, and it's important you know in this in this debate in this dialogue that we just remember that um, this is this is. This is not a new thing. It's not. The scriptures are clear. Mm-hmm. The gospel is powerful. The scriptures are sufficient. We just need to keep our eye on the ball. We need to love one another. We need to grow together. We need to forgive one another. And we need to fight for the unity of the bond of peace. And we need to seek to be a blessing to those around us. We need to seek to impact our neighbors and our loved ones and encourage them in the gospel, you know, the Bible is clear going back to what you were saying about rioting or protesting and all that. You know what? You know how we change the community? Godliness, mm-hmm. holiness. We're, yep. to, we're to be godly, holy, quiet, peaceable men and women. Mm-hmm. And by living, what, what does Peter says it over and again, over and over again. They see your good conduct. They see your good conduct. Mm-hmm. They see your good conduct. Yeah. That's it. That's and it. you preach the word. You're mm-hmm. preaching and you're pure. Mm-hmm. You're preaching and you're pure, meaning you're, you've got a life that doesn't contradict. You're not perfect, but your life doesn't contradict your message. And you mm-hmm. just live your life in that way. And God will use you and God will bless you as you evangelize and you live holy lives to the glory of God, praying, serving, giving of yourself. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So we've talked about a lot. Uh, I would encourage you to, uh, if you need to, back it up and then re-listen to some of these things. Um, We are going to uh, end here. uh, And uh, you have something else you have to say, Matt? No, no, go ahead. I see you reaching for your notes and and Bible stuff. So, okay. 
he said his piece and trust me there will be more uh, because of the fact that this is a subject that has not been exhausted yet sin has not been the subject of it has not been exhausted yet so there are more things that can be said uh, about it so uh, be looking forward to that uh, now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ my name is Kimberly Mathis and I'm from Santa Teresa Baptist Church in Santa Teresa, New Mexico. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. El Evangelio Bíblico comienza con Dios. De la nada, Dios hizo todo, incluyéndonos a usted y a mí, para brindarle mucho placer. Su propósito para nosotros como humanidad era amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. En lugar de eso, el hombre ha pecado contra nuestro amoroso Creador y ha actuado en rebelión. Como Dios es bueno y justo, debe castigar el pecado y merece el castigo eterno consciente bajo la ira de Dios en el infierno. Pero Dios, siendo misericordioso, amoroso y lleno de gracia, tenía un plan para castigar el pecado y ser un juez justo. Y sin embargo, perdonar a los pecadores y mostrar misericordia, enviando a su propio Hijo Jesucristo, el Hijo igualitario y coeterno de Dios para venir como hombre cumpliendo sus requisitos perfectos en el lugar de los pecadores, amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. Además, Jesús llevó toda la ira de Dios sobre la cruz, ya que satisfechó el enojo eterno de Dios, de pie en lugar de los pecadores, aunque Él mismo era perfectamente sin pecado. Dios mostró su aceptación del sacrificio de Cristo a resucitar a Jesús de la muerte después de tres días en la tumba. Ahora Jesús ordena a todas, en todas partes, que se arrepientan, se aparten de sus pecados y crean o confíen en Él. Esta es la transacción gloriosa. Dios luego carga la perfección de Cristo al pecador. Y ya no lo ve como un enemigo, sino como hijos e hijas adoptados, cubiertos por la justicia perfecta de su Hijo. Ahora podemos tener paz con Dios y tener vida eterna con Él para siempre. Es verdad para cada persona, en cada cultura, en cada lugar, en cada idioma, a través de los tiempos. Entonces, nuestra respuesta a esta buena noticia es arrepentimiento y fe. Estimado oyente, he aquí ahora, es el tiempo aceptado. He aquí ahora, es el día de salvación. Apártate de tus pecados, cree en el Señor Jesucristo y hoy reconcíliate con Dios. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring Himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy Him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross 
as he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in the place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sins, and believe, trust in him. This is a glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead as adopted sons and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person, in every culture, in every place, in every language, through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Turn from your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.